everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Chocolate with a Side of Medicine. We are here with the amazing Dr. Sunshine. Hey. Dr. Chris. Hello. And the one and only Amy Jo, MD. Hello. All right. So I know you guys have been anxiously anticipating this episode, which we have postponed, (laughs) but we are going to make it up to you by giving you a two-parter. So... There's a lot of content coming your way, so stay tuned, and you know we'll give you a lot of good info that you can use for the future. So let me just start off. Like, how you guys been doing? What's what's been good? I want to say Happy New Year to everybody. This is our yeah. first episode. Of Happy New Year! And listen, this New Year came in with a bang. Yes, yes. It's gonna be fun. It is gonna, gonna be, be great. And I I keep telling people, I'm like, listen. This year is going to be a great year. You got to put positivity into the atmosphere. So, <laughs> so I'm going to keep saying that it's going to be a good year. It doesn't matter what, what happened. It's going to be a good year. Okay? I agree, Dr. Good. Chris. Like, we're going to will it to be a good year. Yes. Yes. It's going to get yeah, better. I mean, Things are going to get better. The first, like, seven days of 2021 did not look so hot. But, I mean, we got... 355 more days ago. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's I mean, I mean, it's not like we can it's not like we can stop the year and say, "Oh, you know, we didn't like this one. We're 2022. We can't we, we can't just fast forward. So, you just got to keep it chugging." Right. <laughs> if we if we could, we would have stopped uh 2020. I know, right? Uh, like, throw this away. I, I would like to cancel the subscription. I did right. not look I did not I like, like the 7-day trial. Give me my money back. <laughs> Just fast forward to summer 2021, where I'm on the beach, hanging out, and, you know, that's that's great. I can start my new year right there. So. Yes. I did get my vaccine, though. So I, I got my first round of my vaccine on uh, New Year's Eve. So, you know, there's that. So I, I did, you know. We're vaccine twins. I got mine on New Year's Eve as well. Ah, twins. Yeah, so we'll get our second dose soon. I'm getting mine Friday. So, mm-hmm. yep, Friday it is. Get mine on the 28th. Dr. Chris, did you get yours? You got yours, right? Yes, I, no? I'm getting mine tomorrow, my second dose. Oh, you're ahead of everybody. Keep us going. Yeah, yeah, no, listen, okay. listen. I got mine before Christmas. How are you ahead of us? Y'all, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> How's that a thing? You're on it. I got mine before Christmas, okay? Why are you ahead of the COVID hospitalists in the group? Like I know. <laughs> they asked me, and I said, yes, thank you. You said <laughs> that. <laughs> I didn't question where they got it. I don't I don't ask no questions. <laughs> what time you were like yeah wait where where, where what line where, okay where, let me show up real quick thank you you yeah. got you got moderna or pfizer which one did you I get got pfizer did you get five who what did i you have get? pfizer i got pfizer too. i got pfizer's oh we all got so we're all right. Right. so we're pfizer quadruplets right <laughs> we're pfizer kids <laughs> we're pfizer kids that's a new word we're pfizer kids it's gonna be a little commercial Right. Well, then, Chris, Chris, you're going to be the first one to get your second uh, dose, and then you can keep us posted as to as to how you feel and what you go through. Oh yeah, I heard some people were saying that they 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 don't feel too good Um, because when I got my first dose, I just like I just had like arm arm soreness. It wasn't that bad. It was just like I moved my arm a little bit. I'm like, huh, a little sore there. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely yeah, woke up. Was, was like, was. whose arm? Who, right. who, 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 like, who punched me? Who punched right. me in my arm? Like, oh yeah, I got a vaccine. Okay, that's probably why. And then yeah. you know that was it. And so, so we'll see. But I tell you this much: if I'm not feeling well, I will not go to work on Monday. <laughs> yeah. Do any of your coworkers listen to this? 
Well, if they did, they they will expect that I might not be in on Monday. (laughs) Girl, if you pass that temperature check, you get that 102 fever with the second dose, you might as well stay home. Um, If I don't feel well, I'm not going to work. Yeah. (laughs) See, that's what I'm getting on the Friday because I'm like, I'll just get it that morning and I'll go to work. And, you know, if I start to not feel well by the end of the day, I'm just going to go home and, you know, lay in bed. So it's cool. Yeah, it's fine. They'll be okay. But it only lasts like, I mean, some people had no symptoms, but I feel like the other doctors I talked to, they were like a day. They didn't feel well. Some people were like maybe two days. Um, Tylenol or ibuprofen seems to, you know, get everybody, you know, back to normal. So I'm still down. Listen, I am all the way committed. I cannot wait for my 95% protection. Okay. So I'm taking it. I I got Tylenol. I'm okay. Yeah. And you Joe gonna be smiling like a kid on Christmas, like cheese. Listen, <laughs> I, you know my paranoia. Like it, it's been a rough, it's been a rough ten months. Like um, it's it's everywhere. So you know my in my state, our uh, positive percentage rates are almost in the thirties. Mm. So you know I'm seeing more and more people so that are high. calling. It's so, so high. one in every three. One in every three. Like oh no no yes right no no. Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, I just know at this point that somebody at least at least once a day, when you think about, you know, you see 20, 25 people a day, you just know that you've seen at least one or two people that probably had an exposure or probably had, you know, something. And, you know, I'm just like, I, I need some better protection. So, you know, these surgical masks and these shields are are great. But even then, like, you know, you know, we're tight on masks. So now they're like, oh, you know, please, you know, you know, use your mask responsibly. And I'm like, I don't know how responsible, how more responsible can I be? Like I put it on my face. It's there all day. Like, I don't know how to make it better. So especially in this country, listen, the mask is on my face. That's already doing well here. Yeah. (laughs) I have it on my face. It's so sad to say, like, it is just, it takes so much just to get people to wear a simple, like piece of clothing or fabric on their face to protect against this virus and we can't even manage that you know it's no i'm with you and now mind you of course you guys know i'm monitoring how this is going in all the different states and especially in especially in florida where they like to be like oh you know covid doesn't exist but then all of a sudden it's like but i want to be first in line for that vaccine though i'm like so the vaccine for the thing that you don't think exists like i'm so confused right now are you are you down or not like what what are we what are we doing do you think it's a thing or do you not think it's a thing because if you really don't think it's a thing there's no need for you to get a vaccine for this imaginary thing that's not causing anybody any grief so what's happening I know. You know, it's so weird. I've got like people that'll come in. They'll say, you know, like, no, I'm not getting the, I'm not getting a flu shot. But when that COVID, when that COVID vaccine is, is ready, I'm going to get that. And I'm like, really? Like, I was not expecting that. I thought people who were like anti flu vaccines would also say no to the COVID vaccine. But I've gotten a good chunk of people that are like, no, thank you to your flu shot. But where do I get in line for the COVID vaccine? And I'm like, that is, I, I, I have got surprising thing too. A lot of them are like that. And I also got some people that are like, uh, I'm going to wait. So some, some more people get it before I get it. Cause because I, I think part of it is, you know, I think part of it is that I don't think we've ever seen the flu like disrupt like social like just social life to the extent that COVID has done, mm-hmm. you know, That's like true. I think the last time the flu has done that was the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. And there were other flu, you know, pandemics in between that time. But 
you know, being in like the new age, you know, now and seeing like the impact that COVID has had on our communities, you know, and like literally it's so hard to find someone that has not been affected by COVID in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And just the extent that it has impacted our daily life, like you, we've never seen a virus do it to this extent before. So I think that's, you know, why more people are kind of jumping on board with the COVID vaccine versus, oh, you know, flu, whatever, you know, it's, it's whatever. But, you know, both viruses are bad, but I mean, we are still recommending vaccines for both. Um, but, you know, you're, you're definitely seeing more people gravitate towards the COVID vaccine than you are with the flu vaccine for this year. Yeah. Listen, this thing is in demand. And I think that that's why, you know, the fact that it's left up to the states and up to each county, like it's, you know, it's really, really chaotic now. And then hopefully over time, we'll get a better system and it'll be, you know, kind of seamless. But especially with the tiers and people having to keep up with it, there's some people trying to jump tiers. Like they've been like bribing my flebs in my in my office, the flebs who draw the blood. They're like, hey, listen, I know I'm young and I'm healthy, but how much do I have to pay to, you know, become tier one, oh, tier one really? A, tier one B, two? <laughs> That's insane. It's not a drug exchange. Like, what's happening here? Like, he's like, yo, one of the patients came up to me and offered me like a lot of money to like put them on the list on a different tier. And I'm like, I feel like that's illegal. (laughs) Right. Totally (laughs) illegal. And like, that just feels illegal. I know we don't have any like verbiage on it yet because, you know, this whole thing is new and all. I'm like, but that just sounds like, I don't know, coercion or or something. I don't know. There's a, there's a label for that. One of the lawyers, get back to us. Tweet us what that is. A lawyer right. knows the term for that. Bribery, exactly bribing, co- coercion, something. That's, that's one of them. <laughs> it's malingering at minimum. Okay. So yeah. I'm like, what? And then I'm like, I'm like, you know what, let me get the name, you know, and I was kind of less, I'm like, we should escalate this because this is going to be a thing because these young and healthy people, they really want this vaccine and they're at the lowest tier because when you're what, 30, no health conditions, doing fine, we're not going to get to you for a while. Sorry. (laughs) You know, it's going to get worse because, you know, and I think we, I don't think we talked about it on on air, but I think we've all talked about it that, you know, when, uh, Pfizer, who was first, you know, came out, you know, was, you know, rolling, getting ready to roll out their vaccine. And it looked really good. And they were like, hey, you know, put your pre-orders in now. You know, the United States was uh, like, oh, we don't need that many. We'll take a couple hundred thousand. Other countries were like, let me get 800,000. Let me get a million. Let me get all this stuff. And and the U.S. was like, give me about 200. Okay, okay, fine. Give me like 400. You know, we'll get them later. And so now you know, fast forward that everybody is that the powers that be are saying we will have a vaccine for everybody. Mm-hmm. Not that that's not true. Right. Sure. At some point, Pfizer, Moderna and all the people coming behind them will get a vaccine produced for everyone, but it ain't ready right now. Like, so right. I'm like, okay, so exactly how is this going to all work? Because, we don't have a hundred million, you know, sitting somewhere just waiting to, you know, be dispersed to every right. state. So, right, and it's not one dose, and it's two doses. So, right. I mean, so you have to make sure you have enough for the second dose. Because even when I went in for my first dose, I overheard them saying, "Well." Um, cause you know, some people make appointments cause it's by appointment. So you make appointments and some people don't show up and they're like, make sure you count the numbers. Cause we need, we need to have enough. And I'm like, when I heard that, I'm like, Oh, like, <laughs> well, you know, it, for me, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Yeah. But, there'll but, be enough. But it's, a, but it's a, it's a concern, you know? And I hope that everybody who registers yeah. for one goes to get it because wasting 
you know, those doses, once they're uh, constituted, is like going to be heartbreaking, which is how some people like who are just minding their own business, like in the grocery stores, on stores that are like now having the ability to do it. There are some young people that got it because they didn't want to waste it. And I totally get it. They're like, we're not wasting this. Y'all want a vaccine? Come on, let's do it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I mean, uh, Biden, President-elect Biden actually releases uh, his plan uh, for how he's going to distribute the vaccine and how he's going to increase production and using his emergency use uh, powers to increase production of the vaccine to make sure that everyone has enough for the second dose. So. Um, I know that was originally some concern for a lot of people that, you know, you know, when you release the plans for everybody to get vaccinated, like just kind of throw out the tier system altogether um, to make sure that there's enough for, you know, everyone to also get the second dose. Um, But I believe, you know, looking at the plans that uh, President like Biden had released, you know, they kind of took that into consideration. So. I believe yeah. that, you know, we, we will have enough to go around for the second dose, but still, you know, priority goes to those people, you know, that are seeing COVID patients every single day and are at the highest risk exposure, you know, for getting COVID. So everyone on this podcast, you know, falls within that tier. So that's you know, why we are getting the doses first. And then, you know, once all of that has gone through, then, you know, everyone else will be eligible to get the, the second or first and second doses after that. So, I mean, I'm encouraging everyone to get it. At some point, the, you know, the I think the rate limiting factor is probably raw material and production time. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Pfizer or Moderna uh, want to be in a position where they have to tell anyone no that they can't have it, but they just got to get it, pro- you know, produced. And um, that's, that's not just, oh, well, I'm going to produce it and, you know, we're going to go. I know they're working hard. You know, I don't envy their position in this whole thing. Um, I think everyone should get it. I don't I don't have any exceptions to that rule at this point. I know there's a few cases going on in the UK where, you know, particularly um, elderly uh, patients that were, you know, very, very fragile, very frail, um, had some poor outcomes. I think some people died getting it. I know all those things are going on. But, you know, here in the US, there is no contraindication. Like if you can, if you are eligible, I think you should get it um, because, you know, one thing that I've been talking about, like, um, in my, in my day job, one of the things I've been talking about, um, <laughs> you mean this isn't your job? This isn't your job? <laughs> you don't just podcast? That's, right. that's what you just do? You in my, do in my other doctor hat, um, <laughs> I've been, uh, talking about, you know, you know, why we should get it. And one of the things we don't really talk about is, um, the long-term effects, like the, the long timers of, of, of COVID mm-hmm. y'all listen here. If I have to write another FMLA, short-term disability, long-term disability, permanent disability form, like this is no joke. The side effects or the lasting effects of what happens when you get COVID um, seem to be cruel at some point. And I want to tell you that we've got all this magic. We don't. Like I am, am, I am not seeing in mass a, a solid way to commit to promise that we can make everyone whole. Right. Cause everyone wants to get back to baseline. That's not happening. You guys, we are not making you all whole. Some of you all are having lasting side effects. And I think that we got to start talking about that because when people are trying to make a decision about whether or not they get the vaccine, they're like, well, will I die? Yes or no. If the answer is no, then maybe I don't need the vaccine. But we're talking about the disease process, right? And if the disease process is going to render you unable to work, feed yourself, feed your family, or anything like that, 
well, I don't know that you're going to feel good about that. And so, you know, vaccines don't necessarily prevent prevent infection, but they do prevent disease. Right. And so we're trying to make sure that any event that you get exposed to the virus that causes COVID-19, that you don't have lasting effects from that thing. And that is something that people are going to have to talk about. And I think at some point we have to change the narrative and start talking about those things because just the whole, did you die check? Yes or no, is really not a big enough picture for people to appreciate what they're trying to do for themselves when they're making a decision Mm -hmm. um, about the vaccine. So I, um, I I'm, I can't wait for more and more people to to want to do it, and also the shortage of the vaccine will also kind of you know promote people to want it because everybody always wants something that's like out. Like what you mean is out? I want one right now. Like okay, that's fine. <laughs> so maybe a little shortage will do us good, so people can be like, okay, I really do want it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like Jay's, right? Well, like I, I knew you were gonna oh, go like that. Literally, when you said it, I was like, oh, this is how you feel, Amy Joe MD, when you go to buy those super throwback Jays and they're gone, and you're like, damn, I really wanted those, right? I saved them. I bookmarked it for two weeks. And exactly. the day that I go and get it is I knew. Exactly. So knew when I'm on that app that I won't name because it used to be legit, but now they let the bots take over. So when I'm on the app trying to buy my J's and I hit the button and my app starts to like betray me and it's like, can you put in your payment information? Like I haven't been buying J's from you for the past, you know, 10 years. Um, I feel away, right? And, 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 when, and I and the ones that I don't have, I find that I want more than the ones that I do. So there's right. a longing desire when someone, you know, takes away your opportunity to have them. So listen. <laughs> I'm from a non-sleeperhead. I didn't know this is how it worked to buy J's. I, I just thought you was going to the store and buy them. I didn't know oh, it was what? a whole like waiting list. And like, you know, once they're gone, they're gone forever. Like, yeah, that like, comes back around, but it'll be many years later. But that's what many makes it so um, appealing. That's why people want it. Exactly. exactly. That's what Amy Jo is saying. Because she's saying it. Because the thing is, if you have this that nobody else has, then you can be like, well, I got this, but you don't have that. You know, it's bright. Right. <laughs> right. Signs it's are ugly. ugly. Like, what is this an ugly looking shoe? Like, you still okay. want I'm that. sorry. What? Wait, wait, wait. What? She said ugly looking Listen, shoe. I know we're on a oh. medical uh, uh, podcast, but hold on. What'd you say about the J's? <laughs> oh, no. I'm just saying. <laughs> So what if it's an ugly looking shoe? You want an ugly I mean, looking a, shoe? Like, cause not all the designs look that great. I mean, you gotta agree with it's that. So oh, if it's yeah. an ugly looking shoe, then are we've you all got our preferences. Play? No, we're talking about the ones you want, right? I'm talking. I'm not talking about the ones I don't want. I'm talking about the ones that I want. Yes, every everybody who likes Jays has their preference. There are some that you know that I don't like. And and by and let me just say, I'm not a a shoe connoisseur. I just appreciate they're all looking at me like really that's how y'all gonna look <laughs> no, way. No, no, no. i know what you mean i know what you mean you're saying you're not a shoe expert you are just right. a lover of the shoes that you like right I'm, right i like okay. what i like right okay. but you're not gonna find me in there like in 1984 and i quote you know the I, I, that's not me i'm like but these look really nice i'm kind of I, do, I want them so um yes uh I, the fact that I knew this is gonna take a turn to how do we get here? How do we get here? Oh wait, wait, let me ask. How 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 often do you even wear them? I feel like I'm being judged right now. <laughs> I feel like I, I already know the answer to that, and 
So I, I'm not even judging you because I know I, the answer to that already. I feel like we, we just got into we just got into 2021, and for the first time, I just have been judged. I'm gonna, Amy Joe. I'm gonna save you I'm from Doctor Chris. So I, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this as a time to transition to the topics because I appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate I'm not it. gonna allow Amy Joe to be put on the spot by Doctor Chris. That is not mm. nice. Dr. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I, question. I wasn't judging. Listen, if you saw your doctor walking in with some nice pair of jeans, you like, look at that. <laughs> I mean, I would, but that's just me. Okay, go ahead. Transition. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> all right, y'all. So, I'm going to be honest with y'all. For the trending topic, the very first one I'm going to talk about it. It's actually more of a rant. (laughs) So you guys should be patient with me because this is something that I've personally found to be very annoying. And because I found it to be annoying, I am going to bring it up. And I am, of course, going to tie it into medicine. So the first rant is Jasmine Sullivan's album album just came out. And it's an amazing project. If you guys haven't listened to the album by Jasmine Sullivan, it's actually really, really good. Yes. Um, and on the album, there is a track in particular that features Anderson Pac or Pac. I'm not a fan of his, so I do not know how to pronounce it. So in the lyrics of the song, and I actually have them here and I'm going to read it to you guys. Um, the lyrics are actually very problematic. And uh, the lyrics to set the setting for you guys. So the song is called Price Tags. And it's basically a song about how women and possibly men use each other for money and how um, one may try to take advantage of the other or kind of have a one up on each other. So that kind of sets the setting for you. So Anderson Park has a verse here. And the setting for the verse is that he's basically talking about a woman who gave birth to a baby who he doesn't think is his. So the verse goes as follows. Mama told me, put the kid in, so I did it. But the baby came out black as Samuel in Pulp Fiction. I'm light-skinned and my granddaddy Indian. You're effing with my lineage and my dividends. Peace and light. I wish you all the love. Please get out my house or I'll call the cops. End quote. What the hell? Oh, my God. So, in summation, apparently... In the lyrics, he's basically saying that he got a woman pregnant. The baby came out really dark. He's light-skinned. His granddaddy's Indian. There's no way he could produce a baby this dark. You're just trying to get one over on me and get my money and my dividends. And you're trying to mess up my lineage. First things first. Even aside from the blatantly colorist things that you're saying here in the year of our Lord 2021, which is completely unacceptable, completely unacceptable for us to even be doing this right now. I would just like to say as a doctor that there are many variations in complexion from generation to generation. In fact, many people can have the exact same parents and one sibling can be light, bright, like Chris Brown. And another sibling from the two exact same parents can be, you know, dark chocolate or even like a milky, you know, Gabrielle Union complexion from the same parents. There are multiple features, you know, whether it's like, you know, the size and shape of your eyes, ears, nose, skin complexion, eye color, all of that. It definitely varies from genetic makeup to genetic makeup. So this whole, like, the baby looks like this, there's no way, no way possible, this and that. From a doctor's standpoint, it doesn't make any sense, number one. If my cousin Stephanie is listening, my cousin Stephanie, hey girl, hey. <laughs> uh, she's a great example. Stephanie is the oldest of four. Stephanie is, is as bright as they come. And then all of her siblings are, you know, nice smoke chocolate like myself. And across the board, 
bringing the colorist language and things, I think it's very tone deaf. It's very deaf to how the community is feeling overall as a whole. There's been a lot of, you know, uniting within the Black community as of recently, for sure. I don't know Anderson Pack's background. I don't know very much about this man. But the fact that I was listening to Jasmine Sullivan's album, which is a an amazing project, and in the middle of listening to this song, I get this verse, which is a featured verse. And I'm like, you could have just left him off this track. Like, we didn't even need him on this track. <laughs> and then on top of that, to, for him to give me all of this, I'm like, it's just my personal rant. And I'm just bringing it to everyone's attention. I actually tweeted him. And I also did tag Jasmine Sullivan in my tweet. Oh. I was just like, hey, my brother, we can do better than this. I expect better from you. And the reason why I also bring this up is because Anderson Pack actually got a lot of shine recently because he has a song on Barack Obama's. He makes like a top list at the very end of each year. Mm-hmm. It's like Obama's songs for 2020. So I think Anderson Pack is on that list maybe once or twice. A lot of people were like, oh man, like Anderson Pack, da 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 da. So he's getting a little more shine here and there. I'm just saying, let's try to do better. That's all. That's horrible. Um, and and you know it. What it, it it you you think about it because we've all delivered babies, right? And we, you know at least once in your career, you're like in there, and you kind of get to overhear families trying to figure out how they're gonna go about subjectively to figuring out if this baby really does belong to whomever they think it needs to belong to, and mm-hmm. it's it's so you know drenched in folklore and old wives tales and you know based on what your mama said your grandma said like there is there is nothing that you can tell me about a baby fresh out of a vaginal canal or out of a c-section except for are they alive are they eating and are they spontaneously moving their limbs right like everything else is you know to be continued because they're like listen i just got here i don't know if y'all know where i came from but it was dark and was really tight and i'm just trying to settle in and so you know to pick these babies up and you know kind of hit all the angles to say oh look the ear tips look dark they're gonna be you know chocolate or oh look at the eyes oh the color of the eyes like it's just that's not it like babies you know look very different like I see some babies you know a week later and then see them at like their one month checkup and they become different more and more all the time they get fatter they get cuter their personalities come <laughs> out like you're like oh you do like your mother or sometimes they've come back and I swear they look like mom and then all of a sudden they come back and I'm like wait a minute who do you look like <laughs> right and they're like oh grandma and I'm like oh okay you know so I it's such it's such a problem. It's such a problem because we've all seen families have like real stress when they think that a baby looks away that does not agree with the the lineage of whomever they think this baby belongs to. Mm-hmm. And it's devastating because it messes with babies. It messes it stresses moms, it stresses dads. Mm-hmm. And it's that that is t- that's a terrible thing to do. But we really are trying to get relaxed moms so they can breastfeed. Shout out to Dr. Chris because I know she wants some breastfeeding. But a stressed out mom can't breastfeed if she's over here trying to prove that these ear tips really belong to her baby daddy. Okay, <laughs> come on, y'all. I think I think what really the first thing that really disturbed me about what you just said was the fact that they're he's implying that the his lineage is going to be messed up because this baby is darker than what he's supposed to, than what he expects. Mm-hmm. And they're just implying that dark skinned people are not good. So like, that's, that's horrible, you know? Yep. And I mean, even in my own family, like my family's from Haiti. So they have that whole colorism thing. Like if you're light skin, you're better. You have um, 
you know, you're closer to white, you have more money. And if you're really dark, it's kind of like, oh, you're not so good, you know? And there, and till this day, they still have that kind of that issue with colorism. And I mean, racism, it's like, it's crazy within your own race. There's that problem. Mm -hmm. And you're just implying, and, and I've seen, I've even had friends that have gone through that, that, you know, they're darker than like their cousin and they're treated differently because of that. And, you know, just to talk about that in the song and keep perpetuating this type of thinking, that's horrible. It's wrong. It's old. It's played out. It's done. I'm like, for real, it's, it, it makes me like do like a hardcore eye roll and like a sigh. Like, really? We're really still on this for real? Yeah. And it's not even something just unique to the Black community. There's there's colorism in the Middle East. There's co- colorism in the Latino community. There's colorism across the world. Mm-hmm. Because all these different nations have colonized all these other countries over the last, you know, two, three, four, five hundred years. So it's it's worldwide. And I was just like, really? This is not what I wanted when I listened to Jasmine. That's all. That's all. Because I love her. Mm-hmm. I love her. I, I love her as well. And the album, now, mind you, if anybody's listening, the album's dope. The it's album a great is dope. I don't know how I didn't hear that great part, album. but the album is awesome. Now, when you go back and listen to it, you can be like, I know. what are you saying? You know, <laughs> as soon as I'm done here, I'm going to listen to that album. Like, I can't wait to get off. So I can You're probably to just going to skip that part. Like, mm, song's over. Right. Next. I mean, that, that term is so, like, colorism permeates every single culture, like, within, like, you know, it's global. It's a global thing. You'd be hard-pressed to find a culture that doesn't find darker skin as being less attractive than people who are fair, of fairer skin or fairer complexion. So, you know, the fact that he would even mention that in 2021, you know, just kind of shows how much work we still have to do with educating folks that, you know, all shades of whatever are still beautiful, no matter what culture or what, you know, background you come from, you know, Indian, Black, you know, whatever, you know, it's, it's all the same, you know, so, you know, you shouldn't have to discriminate based on, you know, how, you know, how you look. So I Yeah. So you know who's not here for the colorism? Dr. Sunshine. I don't do it. Not here for it. Yeah. The next one I have for the uh trending topics is something that I found so interesting. So Forbes does their uh most influential 30 under 30 years old. Um and they have their list and everything. So on the list is like a fourth year medical student at Yale. His name is Jordan Taeko. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. His last name is T-I-A-K-O. You guys can Google him if you want to. So basically, he is a um, a black young man, and he is super dope across the board. I'm like, we definitely should talk about him at least for a little bit. Long story short, he's a fourth-year medical student at Yale. He's originally from Cameroon, which made me think of our mutual friend, Ashu. If Ashu listens to the podcast, hey, Ashu. Hey, he's originally, Ashu. <laughs> he's originally hey. from Cameroon. And then um, I did not pick this story on purpose, but he actually did go to Howard. <laughs> H-U, you know, I did not know that when I picked this story, <laughs> but he did go. He went to Howard for undergrad. He went to Georgia Tech for his master's. And basically he was featured in Forbes because he did a research paper basically talking about the racial and ethnic disparities that can lead to increased rates of post ICU syndrome um, of COVID and hospitalized patients. Yeah, so he wrote like he wrote like this whole published paper on black and brown people after they've been admitted to the ICU, the things that they go through and everything from a like, you know, a mental health psychiatric standpoint. And it was featured and smash hit. 
So he's actually doing dope things. He has a podcast. He's in a magazine. He's doing amazing. And I really want to just talk about him briefly just because rarely in the Forbes 30 under 30 do they feature a person of color, much less a young black man doing amazing things. And he's a fourth year med student. So I wish him all the best. And hopefully I'm sure he's going to get into whatever uh, residency program he wants. Exactly. He is like, like, yeah, he is like top notch in demand featured in Forbes. And he, lo- he looks like he's 18 years old. If you guys Google this kid, he looks like he's 18. <laughs> yeah, he has like a little bit of, he, has, he, got a little, he got a little goatee thing going on there. But I'm like, look at him just doing everything. <laughs> oh, that's and then in, in, in particular, he does write for this, um, like a med school magazine. And he, he has a column. The column is called White Coat in a Hoodie. And basically he talks about, um, yeah, he talks about the black experience being a young black man going through the medical system in America and the different experiences he's had and what he's experienced personally in terms of like, you know, racial discrimination and things like that and try to try to spin it in a way that inspires people to do better. So he is doing big things. So kudos to that young man. Good for you, Jordan. Oh, Congratulations, Jordan. And then the last thing that I just wanted to mention, and we can talk about it briefly if you guys want, is um, just about Dr. Dre. So Dr. Dre, as many people may know, was recently hospitalized with a brain aneurysm. Um, So a lot of my mutual friends have been asking me, yo, you heard about Dr. Dre and his brain aneurysm? How you get an aneurysm? What what, what happened? Can I prevent that? Like, how do I do? What's up? What's up? What's up? Um, I think as of yesterday, he was discharged from the hospital in Los Angeles and he's back home. They're actually very, very private and secretive about how he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those that have personally asked me about brain aneurysms, so for brain aneurysms, for the most part, um, the easiest way to prevent them is to make sure that you control your blood pressure, control your cholesterol, and make sure that you don't have any like arthrosclerotic disease, basically any clogs in your vessels that comes from high cholesterol. So basically those things, and sometimes brain aneurysms can also be genetic. Um, And almost two thirds of people who have them actually end up having um, longstanding neuro deficits. So there is no news as to how Dr. Dre is doing. I really just want to send prayers to him and his family. And I think he has like eight kids. I know one's deceased. He has like seven kids or so. So prayers to him and his family. Did you guys want to say anything about brain aneurysms? I do because been asking me constantly about these. I do because I'd gotten a couple of people in my clinic after that happened saying, "Hey, I'm coming because I want to be, you know, pre-screened for brain aneurysms." There is no pre-screening, you guys, for um, aneurysms of the brain. So they are they're scary, they're frightening. Um, we don't predict them until you know they're there. But you know, just to save everybody some peace of mind, like there's no way to pre-check your brain to see if you're going to have an aneurysm. So, But going off of that point, from our last episode, we had some red flags that Dr. Chris had pointed out <laughs> that if yes. you do have you know, a change in quality of your headache, um, you have a family history. So this is why it's so important to know your family history, like you know, family history of aneurysm, strokes, anything of that sort, um, to know that before you come to your doctor or your doctor will ask that of you. And that can also, you know, kind of help us you know, determine if you're at risk for an aneurysm, you know, if it's at risk for rupturing or um, from any other complications that you may get from that. Um, so that's, you know, again, more more fuel to the fire of, you know, being able to go to your PCP to follow up to make sure that we have these things, you know, set, set in stone before this actually happens. And this is why we definitely stress on making sure that your blood pressure is well controlled, right? Because that's a big factor. Mm-hmm. You have high blood pressures. 
you know, this can, this can happen. You know, you're increasing your risk of this happening. So this is why when you go to the doctor and your blood pressure is elevated, uh, we're going to talk about it. I know you got ear pain, but uh, why is your blood pressure elevated? We can talk about that. <laughs> I'm really more concerned about your blood pressure than your ear pain. That's going to be okay. What's wrong, what's wrong with your blood pressure? Let's talk about that. And this is why we stress this because we're trying to prevent some things from happening. Girl, I saw the highest blood pressure in my entire medical career last week. Now, this lady came in with a blood pressure of 260 over 120. Wow. wow. That is high. Like, That's impressive. Damn, she was talking? <laughs> <laughs> right. Was she, what was she doing? No, she just came in, hypertensive emergency. No, 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 no. Did, was she, did she have visual changes? Yeah, she had a headache, okay. visual changes, okay. and she had a right side weakness. Okay. So she came oh, in pretty yeah. much for signs of a stroke. And then they took her right. blood pressure. Okay. She was like, oh, shit, that, that is high. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, there it is. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is so, why we care. All right, you guys. So um, let's get to it, okay? Um, so as you all know, uh, in 2020, we did a WAP episode, and we gave uh, thoughts and care and considerations to the almighty WAP. Oh, yeah. And we got a lot of questions. Uh, and one of those questions was, when are you going to do the men? Mm. We don't get any love. You're not going to talk about our sex organs. And after much uh, thought, we said yes. So here we go. Today, uh, we are going to be talking about the penis. Yes. The heavily love to the penis. The heavily awaited and almost badgered to do. I know. (laughs) I feel so much pressure. People are like, what are you going to, when are you going to do the penis? I'm like, okay. All right, guys. but you know what's funny? They just want you to talk about the penis. They don't say what they want to hear or what or anything. They're just like, you, you forgot about us. I'm like, okay, like well. Attention. <laughs> like attention, okay? We right. Know. We just got to give them a little bit of love. It's okay. <laughs> but you, I know, right? But you know what? I asked a few fellas, like, okay, if we were going to talk about the penis, what would you want to hear? And I'm going to have to give the men some credit because they were actually pretty thoughtful and they had questions that I was like, when we record that, let me do some research because I did (laughs) not have the immediate answer um, to everything. So shout out to all the men and women, but the men, I'm going to give the men credit for um, being very thoughtful about what they want. And as we thought about it, in fairness, right, women get lots of talks, education, discussion about how to care for vaginas, you know, what's wrong with them, when to look out for what's wrong with them and all these things. And men get very simple instruction. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I, I feel you guys. And so we're going to try our best to walk you through all things penis a, as much as we can. And hopefully at the end of this, you know, let no penis be left behind. Okay. So let's get started. <laughs> <That's our goal. laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so, um, Okay, so in general, right, you know, when you're in clinic and we're thinking about, like, uh, sexual health for men, as it relates to penises, we're thinking about really kind of, like, three basic things, right? Your fertility, can you maintain an erection, and can you urinate? Like, mm-hmm. that's really, like, as basic as it gets, right? Can can mm-hmm. you have babies if you want to? If you want to have sex, are you having any problems with your sexual function? And are you able to urinate? Because the penis does all of that, or the penis is the gateway 
to to all those things. So the questions for men, you know, in fairness, are very simple because asking some really simple questions in the clinic actually tells me a whole lot. So I almost without fail ask every man in my office, are you having any problems with sexual function? Are you having any problems maintaining sustaining erections, problems with ejaculation, pain with penetration, or anything like that? And so that tells me a whole lot. Like if you're having erections and you're not having any problems, that tells me a lot about your your cardiovascular status. Like is your health health are you healthy? If you're having mm-hmm. sex, it gives me an idea of how fit you are. Uh, it gives me an idea if the organ itself is working. And so, you know, just with the act of saying, yes, I can uh, obtain an erection and I can sustain an erection and I'm not having any problems. And yes, I have sex really runs down way more than I think men even appreciate. So we're not shortchanging you. It's just that we get a lot from some basic answers. And I think that I think that it comes up. Because I agree, when I do have male patients, especially if I'm there for your physical, I ask those same questions, but it also comes up frequently if I'm talking to you about a medication that will affect that, Mm. then we really need to talk about it because they're like, wait, what do you mean? (laughs) Right. So it comes up more often than you you think it does Mm. because there are medications that can, you know, of course, affect their ability to reach, sustain, and even get an orgasm, you know? So it's... It comes up often, more often than you think. So we are we are thinking about y'all guys, you know. We are all the time. I also, I also um, ask the question kind of a little differently sometimes too. Like if you have certain medical conditions, I will ask if you have a problem with um, erectile dysfunction or maintaining your erections. You know, try to get mm-hmm. them talking because I've noticed a lot of men they they're very embarrassed to even talk about it. No, I was going to say nine times out of 10, especially with young men, you don't see them in your office unless something is wrong with their penis. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, man, if something's wrong, they're there. You're like, what's happening? Yeah. They, they come immediately. Yeah. I'm like, how long has it been there? A day. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. The young men come right away. And right. then the older men, I think they don't say anything because they just, they kind of like to um, just write it off as, well, I guess I'm just getting old. You know, I guess right. it was just that time, you know, the penis was bound to fail. And so sometimes I have to ask them because I'm like, wait a minute, you know, if there's an opportunity for us to improve something, then you don't listen. 50 and 60 year olds are not supposed to be walking around with inability to obtain an erection or have intercourse. So, you know, we've kind of gotten to this habit and, you know, it's going to take us down, you know, a road, which we'll go. But, you know, of, you know, being fit for, you know, function. Right. Fit for function is a is a real big deal. And. You know, we've kind of like gotten into this really bad spot where it's okay for 50, 60 year old men to think like, well, it's just, a, you know, I'm just at that age. No, you're not 50 and 60 year old men if you're listening or <laughs> if y'all know somebody that's 50 and 60 and they're having problems, tell them to go see their doctor because I think your penis should work. Yeah. I agree. 15, 16, that's, I tell them they're young. I'm like, no, you're 52 years young. Yeah. (laughs) I'm old. I'm like, no, I'm like, no, you're not old until you, in my head, you're not old until like you need help with something. Like you're 75 or 80, you need a cane to help you ambulate. Like that's okay. Right. Like you're walking, you're talking, you're working, you know, you're not old. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, so, you know, we can't, we might as well get to the, you know, the most common thing and just get it out the way. And that is penises and sex. All right. Just here's the deal. Like, don't get an STD. Can we just start with that basic thing? I know we've talked about STDs a lot, um, but you should not get an STD. Um, men 
and women, we've got to talk about, you know, the rules of engagement when you are choosing a new sex partner, um, how you're going to interact. Are you going to use protection? You know, for men you who can't get pregnant, most men are just trying to make a decision about, do I want to use condoms? Yes or no. Whatever your choice is, like if you're opting to use condoms or not, I think both parties should all, anytime you're engaging with a new partner, you all should get STD tested and then make some ground rules about, okay, what am I in? Is this monogamous? Do we have multiple partners? So that you and your partner will know. So if you're with a partner that is going to be having multiple sex partners or more than one, even if it's just on an occasion, then you should probably put in your mind that you should get in, get STD tested every three months, right? Every three months you should be coming in for new STD testing, which includes, which includes um, HIV. So I think, but I think those are the basics. So you all know that, but sex in itself um, can also damage penises. Mm -hmm. So rough sex can bend the shaft of the penis when it's erect and you can get some injuries fellas so um I, I am sure that uh every man somewhere is cringing right now because they, they've either experienced it or they've heard about it and that's whether you're with a, a a man who has sex with men or a man who has sex with women you know um if you know you hit a bad angle and it bends it can hurt um mm-hmm. sometimes it can you know fracture uh men who have sex with men also can have this problem so it's it's unbiased right an erect penis is both um strong and fragile at the same time so you have to proceed with caution so men be careful about very rigorous sex very rigorous intercourse make sure that you have the appropriate thing set up if you need lubrication you need to do that so that you're not having to push too hard against you know a, a friction that you're using and if you bend it and it causes extreme pain, you should stop intercourse immediately and see a physician. If you bend it and it becomes swollen and you cannot get the erection to come down, Mm -hmm. that's an emergency room visit. Because there is Mm -hmm. a timeline, there is a window on how long a penis should stay erect. If you allow a penis to stay erect too long, you can do permanent damage to both the vessels and the nerves and you run the risk of never being able to get another erection again. So please do not sit at home thinking this is this is bound to go down at some point and I don't want to tell anybody what I was doing to get it. You have to go ahead and go to the emergency room so that we can get you some care. Agreed. One thing that you brought up that I think is really worth discussing and it's something that I've had to do a lot more often now that I'm here in the Bay um, especially with men who have sex with men, mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to take this time to to focus on you guys for a hot moment, and I'm going to say this. So most men who have sex with men, I see them in my office frequently, and they ask me to be put on prep. And prep is basically the medication that we use in order to protect you from getting HIV from other sexual partners. For those who don't know what prep is, so a lot of times when men are on prep and they're taking it consistently. They very rarely use condoms ever. They have multiple partners, rarely use condoms because they feel like, well, I'm on prep and I'm protected from, you know, the worst of them all. So they're very um, free about all of their sexual encounters. They're very free about their partners. They're very free about whomever it may be. And there has been a massive increase in the rates of sexually transmitted infections because of the, you know, Basically, the the lack of protection that's being used because of the feeling of protection from HIV by taking PrEP. Mm. So 
I just want to take this time to specifically talk to the people, the men who have sex with men who are in the category of, you know what? I don't really feel like I need to use a condom. So with these increase in these sexually transmitted infections, especially syphilis, which is making a hardcore comeback. I don't, I don't know whoever thought that syphilis was gone. Listen, it is here and it is coming with a uppercut (laughs) hardcore. And I have had to cancel counsel patients multiple times because I'm like, you know, syphilis is nothing to play with because if you get syphilis and it lingers, like let's say you never know that you have it, the syphilis lingers for a while, it can affect multiple different parts of the body. This isn't something that you want just like hanging out forever and you just never know that you had it. It can affect your heart. It can affect your brain. And my patients are like, really? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Especially once they're positive for syphilis and we have to track them down to get them to come in. I'm like, this is not something to play with. And there's, there's other things going on aside from just HIV. There are certain things that you really need to be aware of. And then I think it just comes down to like counseling. And when you have them in front of you, when you have them in your office and guys, when you come in to see us, ask all the questions. We're here for all of it. You know what I mean? But that brings home the point of what Amy Joe was talking about with like, and of course, on the flip side of the coin, because, you know, I got to give other people credit. <clears throat> flip side of the coin. I have lots of people who do have these, uh, sex quarantine bubbles that they are in mm-hmm. shout out to y'all mm-hmm. and there's a group of maybe about eight or ten of them you know and they make sure that they get sti testing clean bill of health and they just have sex within each other and then they just have a good old time during oh, quarantine time and out, you know what out. so are we talking about orgy orgies during quarantine yeah, there's, there's well, now well, there's people who are poly, there's, there's orgies, but there's people who are polyamorous yeah, where they have they, multiple partners and do. all of the partners, all of the partners are aware of each other mm-hmm. and that's fine. All they're concerned about is, are you negative for COVID? Do you have a clean STI screen? Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and do it. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> no judgment passed on my part. My job is to keep yeah. you healthy. So if you guys have are clean for STI, like if everybody's doing what they're supposed to do, you're good. Yeah. The only time it gets messed up is when you insert a new partner that no one knows their status and then they go and, and mess up everything. That's that's <laughs> and, that's why, and that's why it's important that, well, I always stress that you should use condoms because, like, so this is the issue. People lie. People will tell you all the time going, that they're doing they do this lie. and they're doing that, but you don't really know. Right? So that's why I oh, always tell people to use condoms because you got to protect yourself at the end of the right? day. Because they'll tell you, oh, no, I don't have any other partner. It's just you. Mm. Then you end up with an STI, and then now you're just like, well, what happened? And I have to tell you, uh, this is a sexually transmitted disease. And they're like, but what does that mean? It's a sexually transmitted disease. (laughs) I'm not here to figure out who gave it to you. I'm just letting you know that you have it, and everyone involved needs to get treated. Yeah. You have to keep it very generic. Mm -hmm. Like, you have an STD. I cannot give you timeline or window. So when you get an STD, the only thing I can tell you is your only window is from the last time you were tested to this time you were tested. And whomever you had been with in between that time becomes the people that I guess you need to target. But my instruction is to let everyone know. Anyone you've come into any sexual contact with, let them know that you are positive so that everyone gets treated. Because in the event that you all re-engage, then there's a chance that you're going to pass it along. And then kind of going along with Dr. Sunshine's syphilis comment. So just a fun fun tidbit. So Cook County, which is here in Chicago, is actually rated number two for highest prevalence of uh, syphilis infections in the United States. So yeah. Really? Who's wow. number one? Yeah, who's number one? one? Uh, number one is LA. 
California. I'm like, there are way too many people in California with syphilis. I'm like, I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand. So more wow. reason for y'all to wrap it up <laughs> and to definitely get tested <laughs> because it is very much rampant out there. So. But I agree with Dr. Chris. If you just wear a condom, then you don't have to rack your brain around a whole lot of that stuff. Just put the condom on. It's just, it's you know, listen, what's cheaper? The condom or, or you know, or the or, or the, the things that the come. Treatment. Right. The babies, the babies or the treatment, right? The babies, the treatment, the headache, right. all of that. Yeah. Can you put a price yeah. on all that? Can yeah. you put a price on it? <laughs> and, so, and so, you know. Yes, <laughs> And so there are things, okay, and so since we're on the lawn this line, like, you know, we should talk about hygiene because it's going to tie back into STDs. And, and let me let me just walk you through it. So um, we really um, probably should do a better job with just talking about hygiene and grooming because we kind of pass it off as, hmm, no big deal. Surely they know how to do it, but I'm not sure, right? So why hygiene matters is because, whether you are, are circumcised or uncircumcised, and we'll get into that a little bit later, if you do not have good hygiene, you can cause inflammation around particular areas on the penis that can increase your risk of being exposed and picking up an STD, right? So for men, whether you are circumcised or not, everybody still has a little bit of foreskin. And if you don't pull that foreskin down and clean around that area, you can start getting some buildup. And uh, Dr. Nona's going to love this. We call it smegma, okay? <laughs> as smegma sounds, <laughs> smegma is as disgusting as it sounds. So smegma is like really just a collection of, of fats and cells and all these things that kind of gather around at the, uh, at the head of the penis. And so... Um, it can, you know, cause inflammation. It can cause the skin to be really irritated. For men who are uncircumcised, who don't get into the habit of pulling that skin down to clean around an area and you get too much buildup, it can cause inflammation. That skin can stick. Yeah. And then have, have, have you know, you can't retract it. So you can't pull it down because you kind of let that, you know, smegma build up and you got inflammation. And now the skin is stuck to each other and it might need surgery. So you can also get a, a balantis. So that's also inflammation at the top of the of the top of the penis and so not giving good hygiene will will cause inflammation and an inflamed penis is more susceptible to an std right so even if you had it inflamed and you said okay 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 i'm getting ready to have sex i'm gonna clean it really good this time but the inflammation was still there if you then had intercourse without condoms if the partner that you're having intercourse with has some kind of infection your chances of picking that infection up have increased because the because the penis is a little bit more exposed and you can end up getting an STD just because you weren't cleaning well. I also want to I also want to extend that hygiene comment to not just like the penis and the glands at the top, but like the entire genital region. Period. So the head of the penis, the shaft, the scrotum, the perineum, the whole thing, the anus. We need you guys to you know. Top-notch hygiene. Yes. Highly encouraged. Yes, Dr. Highly Sunshine. Encouraged. Listen, Dr. Sunshine, Dr. Sunshine is, is preaching gospel. And I don't think we walk men or, or young, young boys through this. So if you need an order of operation, I would tell you to start closest to the body and work your way out, right? So start at the start at just the base of the penis, right? So wash all the area around the penis and start at the shaft. 
work your way up the shaft of the penis to the head of the penis, pull down the foreskin. Even if you are circumcised, pull down that foreskin, wash really well around um, the, the skin. And then you're supposed to move to the scrotum and you're supposed to wash the scrotum. And then you're also going to um, reach back and wash the perineum and wash back towards the anus. That is really how you get every single, how you clean a penis in general. So it's the base, it's up the shaft, it's the head, down to the testes, reach back to the um, skin in between the testes and the anus, and then wash the anus, and then you have cleaned the penis thoroughly. Well, I just want to say, oh, sorry. I was just just gonna say, it's just, just, let's just be courteous to one another. Just common courtesy. Just just clean the area. You know, if you're going to have your partner, just have, just just make sure, you know, you clean the area. The partner can see that, you know, it's clean and it smells good. And, you know. I mean, oh, get the creases. Crazy. How did I forget the creases? Get right, the creases get in the between the thighs you because you fellas want- get, you know, sweaty. So exactly. creases in between the thighs too. So that too, that counts. want to do the same for you. So why don't we just be courteous to one another? That's all I'm saying. That's not even so the medical stuff. Just be courteous. Just common courtesy. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you know, you it's, it's, it says common courtesy, but a lot of times some, some guys are going to think, okay, I clean my penis. I wash the head. Like I got that part, you know, right. the part that's going to have the buildup. Right. And then I wash it and then everything else is fine. But you do really need to take some time to, stop at each point that we went through including i left out the creases of the thighs but including the thighs so you do you do need to get the base um of like the mons you know you need to get the base of you know your pelvic area because you also have hair there if you don't clean it you don't exfoliate it you can get hair bumps hair bumps increase the risk of infection and inflammation so in addition to all these other things like you really need to hit every area very thoroughly every single time so it is expected that you wash your penis every time you bathe. I One thing I do want to say, um, for the men who do groom, for sure, I need for you guys to also recognize that you need to be changing your razors, um, your clippers and things. You guys need to make sure that, like, you know, you guys are changing those frequently. Things to look out for. Like, so even when you're, even when you are, you know, maybe you're not in the shower, but you're, like, getting dressed, getting changed. So, you know there are things that you should be looking for. And so, you know, I always want you to be looking for, you know, discharge from the penis, rashes, blisters, and warts, right? And so you are always kind of checking that. So if you see something you think is abnormal, that not wasn't there before, I don't know what that is. That's a really good time to, you know, send a message to your doctor, get, you know, give us a call to say, hey, you know, I do a pretty good job at checking. I've never noticed this before. It popped up a day ago, two days ago, hey, can y'all take a look to see, you know, what this is? We're more than happy to do that. But if it's if it's not your normal um, and it wasn't there and you do a pretty good job, you know, with everything else, then let us know. And we're more than happy to take a look. Amy Jo brings up a really good point. And I especially want to hit that home when it terms to scrotal pain as well. So if you guys are having scrotal pain of any type, you need to come and call. You need to come into the doctor, you know, as soon as you can get an appointment. Because that is something that we definitely want to investigate. And because I don't know why, but over the last maybe like three months or so, I've had a lot of scrotal pains come into the office. And of course, we found some masses on the testes where some patients are like, hey, you know, I was cleaning and I felt this lump on my testy. Like I that wasn't there before. I just noticed it a week ago. I'm like, thank you so much for bringing it up. You need to get an ultrasound. Like, you know, these are things that you guys 
I want you guys to pay attention to it. And then that way, you know, you can advocate for your health and then we can advocate for you to get you the care you need. Yeah. And that's really important that you monitor and you watch for these things, because that definitely helps us to direct what we need to do. Right. And so that's why it's really important to see if there's anything abnormal, something that's not normally there. And, you know, you could come in and maybe it could be nothing, but then maybe it could be something. So that's why we definitely, you definitely need to pay attention and come in. Right. And that also helps us know, like, um, it wasn't there before. So then, you know, then we're going to ask questions to try to figure out what's going on. So it's really important for you to monitor these things and look at it uh, consistently. Oh, so it's not even just a pain, but it can also be like a heaviness. So you can feel like more, you know, weight in that area. And that can also be a sign of, you know, the signs for testicular cancer. And this is actually a, it's an interesting cancer in that it does affect, you know, people within a younger age group. So, you know, it's definitely something that we are on the lookout for. But again, like Dr. Sunshine said, if you're cleaning yourself and you notice something is kind of out of the ordinary, or if you're feeling like just some increased pressure or discomfort in that area, definitely let your peace and people. I have a question for y'all. And this is probably going to throw off Amy Jo's whole flow <laughs> because it literally just popped into my head because I've been seeing it so much. So it's so much more prevalent now in the office. I don't know why. Are you guys getting a lot of men that are coming in saying, hey, I'm with my partner, with a female partner who has a history of HPV and I'm worried about getting HPV and do I need to get regular checkups and do I need to get the vaccine? Are you guys getting that often? Oh. I'm like men coming in asking about HPV because of their partner, not even because of them, but because of their partner. No, I haven't. But I have been having a lot of conversations with my, my when in my well child visits, where mm-hmm. I'm convincing you know parents to get their the boys vaccinated for HPV. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally the the men are not saying like, hey, my partner has HPV. You know what do I do about it? And that would actually be a really good question. Um, but yeah. It's a good question. Mm-hmm. It is. It, it's a. It's a very good question. I have. A, I've had a few patients, and we've had like you know. Basically, it's just an exchange of information across the board, and I always let them know that the vaccine is. You know, you can give the vaccine because, like Amy Jo just said, we can start giving the vaccine to both men and women at a young age. We try to catch them early because we know you haven't had, in theory, you haven't had exposure to any sexual interaction at that point. But yeah, we've talked about it, and you know, there's a lot of guys that have gotten the HPV vaccine when they're younger, college age, and such, which of course we recommend. So something I'm definitely seeing more often. I think that they're concerned. They're concerned about getting genital warts from their partner who has HPV. I think that's their, but even with that, that's their concern. Even with that, I've been seeing that a lot more females are coming in to get the vaccine, but I don't know if it's just like an advertising issue or just like informational wise, but I just, I don't see a lot of like young men. Again, this is all from my experience in clinic because I don't do it anymore. But I, don't, I didn't really see a whole lot of young men coming in with their parents, like, asking about if they can get the vaccines always for, like, their daughter or whatever, because they thought that it was only protective against cervical cancer, which is not the case. Um, you know, so and, and so back to, you know, something that, um, you know, Dr. Chris brought up, which, of course, you know, ties it all in, is that, you know, we talk about older, right? So women, women we always are, like, har- harassing women about older, 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 but men you all can identify odors too because odors can mean a lot of different things. It's not frequent, but it can be a urinary tract infection. It can be a yeast infection. Men, you can get yeast infections, especially Mm -hmm. if 
you are not letting this thing air out and you are keeping your, your, your penis and your testes, you know, moist and wet all the time. Like you switch from, you know, basketball gear or workout gear right into your work clothes and you kind of run around all day and everything's dark and moist. Like you can develop a yeast infection or it just takes you being seated for one, right? So you've had intercourse with, you know, someone who already had a little extra yeast in the vaginal cavity and then you picked it up and then you put it back in this dark, moist space. And so now you're going to have a yeast infection. Um, you can have that. It can also be balances, which we've talked about. Um, gonorrhea and chlamydia can also have an odor. So if you are having an odor, even if you're like, well, I don't have any symptoms. I'm just having an odor and it's weird. It's different than what I would normally smell. You got to come mm-hmm. in. You got to get it checked out. And it's easy. Look, it's urine. We're not sticking Q-tips up penises anymore. So have no fear. We're not going to torture your soul. But, you know, we might need to look at it. And we might need to collect some urine just to make sure that you're not having an infection. If you have a urinary tract infection or even if you have a yeast infection, one of those things that either keep coming up or won't go away, I really want to know because it's abnormal. Men, you gotta your your sex organ is 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 externally facing right so it faces the air which means that as it relates to yeast infections you should not have yeast just living on your skin if you've got a yeast infection or if you if you keep getting a yeast infection and you've never been to a doctor we need to test you we need to make sure you don't have hiv we need to make sure you don't have something else going on, some some autoimmune something, some inflammation, something going on where it's making your body just kind of exposed to keep picking up yeast because men should not get recurring yeast infections over and over again unless you keep having sex with the same person that keeps giving you a yeast infection. And if that's the case, then tell them to get their yeast infection fixed so that you can get your yeast infection fixed, right? <laughs> so there's yep. nothing normal about having a recurring yeast infection if you are a man. And if you're getting urinary tract infections, there's nothing normal about getting those over and over again too. So let us know because we may need to see you to a specialist. I, I had a patient the other day and I was telling him and cause he, he basically came in he's like, Hey, I'm having burning when I pee, blah, 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 blah. He has a UTI. I looked deeper into his charts. I've never seen it before. He booked an appointment last minute walk in. And then I was like, you've had a UTI recently, like a couple months ago. He's like, yeah, you know, you treated it and I was fine. I'm like, yeah, but now you have another one. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, no, that's not normal. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> not normal. What's going no, on here? Please. And he's like, really? I'm like, no, it's not normal at all. I'm like, we need to get you to see a specialist. I'm like, because the way that I explained everything, the anatomy and everything, I'm like, the way that everything is set up, you know, especially for men, you're not supposed to be getting recurrent UTIs. Um, so then I sent it to the specialist and of course, you know, they found something abnormal with his, you know, the pathway of the urethra from the bladder and things like that. Um, and the valves. And then he was like, he sent me a message and he was so happy. He was just like, Hey, I really appreciate you really like digging into my chart. I scheduled last minute. You're not even my PCP. You know, you really did me a service and I really appreciate doctors like you. I'm like, Oh, that was so sweet. Yeah. Yeah, But it's true. If if you see when we see that, that is abnormal. And it's pretty much because the male or the male anatomy, is just a longer track. So you wouldn't expect that the it would cause the infection. Whereas for the female, it's just a shorter track. So it would be easier to just keep getting um, your urinary tract infections. So, but a lot of men don't know that, yeah, right. you know, so it's good for them to know that that's mm-hmm. not, yeah, it's not normal yeah. y'all. So kind of, kind of going off of that, I guess, I don't know if you're going to get into this Amy Joe, but you know, with the anatomy, um, 
So kind of what would be normal and abnormal. So I've gotten some requests for questions about, oh, you know, my, my Johnson got a slight curve to it. You know, Oh, yeah, that... we're going to get to that. Oh, okay. Hold that thought. We're going to give y'all some sizes and curves, right? Because, you know, everybody wants to know. Are like, we doing that? Yeah. Are we doing Listen, that? Hey, you know, my penis has the gangster lean. Like, what is that? And I'm like, okay, okay fine. But before okay. we get into that, listen, we told them we we're going to give the people what they want. So we're going to give it to them. So, but okay. um, I'm here for the ride. Circumcisions. I don't think we can leave hygiene and STDs and, and just penises without talking about circumcision. So we're family medicine doctors we've done a lot of circumcisions. So um, in our training, I have circed many a babies, um, but I've also um, had parents that said no. So is it mandatory? The short answer is no, it is not. It is not mandatory that you um, have your uh, children circumcised, right? It's really, it's varying, right? It's very about culture. It varies by country, and more and more in the United States, we've got more and more parents that are saying, you know what, I really do not want my, my kids circumcised. And so in trying to figure out like what you needed to know for circumcisions, I'm going to try to give you some things. Like as it relates to like cosmetics, from a flaccid penis standpoint, you can tell the difference between a circumcised and an uncircumcised penis, right? So uncircumcised penises, when they're flaccid, you know, they're a little bit bulkier. Because essentially we've not taken that foreskin off of the penis. And so they're going to look like they have like a little hood. They're going to look a little bit thicker um, towards the head of the penis. Like they're going to, you know, look like a little bit thicker. But when a penis is erect, there is not a huge difference in between the two. Because once they're erect, if there's any extra skin from not being circumcised, it's kind of really discreetly bunched up right below the head of the penis. Okay. So there's not a whole lot to tell between the difference. So, you know, for parents, new parents or soon to be parents who are like, well, you know, what is that going to look like? You know, my husband is circumcised, but I don't want my, my kids circumcised. Is he going to look normal uh, when he engages in intercourse? The short answer is yes. The studies and the theories out there on, you know, the benefits you know, we've been running these studies for a long time. And to be perfectly honest with you, the results and the outcomes keep changing. So if I could kind of give you the basics, right? The question on a circumcised penis was, does it decrease the risk of um, STD transmission since we're on the line of infection? And a short answer is the study suggests that it does, right? So the study suggests that if you have been circumcised, you have a decreased risk of STD transmission, but it probably gets at what we were talking about earlier, which is hygiene, right? So if your mm -hmm. hygiene is good, then you don't have a risk of inflammation. If you don't have a risk of inflammation, then you're not going to increase your risk of STD, you know, mm -hmm. to pick it up, right? right. So that's right. probably what that gets to. And then the other thing was uncircumcised penises carry a risk of, carry an increased risk of penis cancer, why is because they think it's because of like increased like smegma inflammation and stuff like that, which again can be improved with solid hygiene. So I don't want anybody to think, well, if my, if I don't want my kid or if I don't want to have, you know, risk of cancer and STDs and I have to get circumcised or not get circumcised, you can manage both of those very well with good hygiene and condoms. That is a surprisingly common question. I guess it's not really surprising. It's a common question, especially with new moms, first boy. Yeah. 
really, really common. Yeah. You know what a lot of people also ask, you know, like, um, you know, they keep doing studies on it. I think, um, you know, like, do, does my sensitivity decrease if I, you know, get a circumcision, right? And so, you know, there's thoughts out there that mm-hmm. if you take the foreskin off, then you've cut some of the nerves and you've cut some of that. Listen, y'all I've cut a lot of foreskin. There were no nerves in there when I cut it. Okay. Um, <laughs> listen, I, I, I cut a lot of things, but nerves and penises are not it. So I don't, you know, my, my circumcisions have been beautiful, but there's no nerves in it. So there were a couple studies that were done. And so at one point there was like some study done like in early two thousands that said, Oh yeah, there may be some decreased sensitivity, but then they repeated the study and was and I think the results were like, actually, maybe that's not true. So, you know, we've got all these conflicting studies, but the, the general thought is that if you are circumcised, you should not be having any problems with, you know, climaxing, orgasms, ejaculation, like your sensitivity should be intact. If you are lacking sensitivity, we've got other things to blame, not your circumcision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of the questions that we, you know, some of the questions that I've been getting are, you know, well, you know, I didn't get the circumcision, well, not personally, like the person that asked the question. Like, I didn't get the circumcision when I was a baby, so, like, kind of what are my choices for getting it as an adult? Because we actually had a couple people come into our clinic were of older, you know, age, you know, asking for a circumcision, and that's typically not done by, you know, PCPs in the clinic. That's actually something that's done by urologists, like, in the OR. So have you guys been getting that? You know, don't do it reconsider well, read some litter right, sure, on, the right. on the subject right. <laughs> i mean if you have a medical I would condition not. like if you can't if you have what's called um phimosis phimosis yes when you can't pull the foreskin back to clean and all of that then if that could that's a medical condition that you need to get a circumcision for to to uh fix that or if you keep getting those recurrent infections because of that but it's more of a cosmetic type of thing. Like, cause even when we were, so when we were training, when we did the circumcisions on lots of the babies, a lot of the moms would defer to the father and like, Hey, you know, do you want your, your the boy to be circumcised? And a lot of times I think the father would say yes, because maybe they're circumcised. Right. And it's kind mm-hmm. of like, they want their kid, their boy to kind of look like them in a sense, you know? So which I think is us back to, you know, doing a better job at telling little boys, whether it be mom, dad, docs, pediatrician, you know, whomever, like you got to pull that foreskin back right. because you can get phimosis if you are not in the habit of pulling that skin back and it gets stuck. It doesn't necessarily have to result in a circumcision, but oftentimes when we've got people who just will not clean the penis well, then you go ahead and like circumcise it as an adult. But adult circumcisions are a whole other ball game. Listen, not you've fun. reached maturity. You got spontaneous erections, like your penis will betray you out here in these streets and you just got this circumcision done and, uh, you know, you can't look at anything now, right? Like you, you know, you're out here trying to, you know, think baseball in your head because you're trying to let your penis heal when what we could have done was, you know, give you a good quality uh, lesson in keeping the penis clean. I think um, it really still boils back down to hygiene, like, you know, just kind of getting in the habit of taking your time and being very thorough. You know, we never tell guys to be thorough. We just ask them, are you clean or no? Right. Even right. a little like, right. let me smell you. You know, are you funky? No. Okay, good. Like, <laughs> get out. So true. Where, so you know, like, you know, so we've all got friends like when they, they got boys, like you ask them, like, you know, did you did you clean your arms? Did you clean your area? And they're like, yeah. Like, but nobody's like, you know, <laughs> right. did you hit the did you hit the mons? Right. Okay, did you <laughs> 
Did you pull the skin back, right? Did you get around that? You know, did you get around the I don't, I don't know, man. No. I don't know, man. I felt like my mom was pretty invasive with me and my brother. She's like, you did not wash your behind. Get back in. I'm like, oh my goodness. Listen, <laughs> if parents, listen, if parents out here doing foreskin checks, you know, you know, listen, my oh, hats no, to them. Right. They're not none checking. Right. And so, you know, no, when they get old enough, little boys, when they get old enough, you're not telling them to pull the, pull the skin back and like get behind there. Then you don't know until they're like, ah, my penis hurts they say you know you got this inflamed you know no like mm-hmm. we just i think we have to do a better job at you know at least asking them like hey did you really like clean it because a lot of the stuff that we're talking about y'all can be easily corrected with just really you know thorough hygiene that's very true i do want to mention something and it's gonna probably take us down a windy road <laughs> but you y'all y'all can cut me off short if it if it goes too windy there's something I want to mention here because I have a friend of mine and we went to med school together and he is not circumcised. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me that when he was a teenager, when he was younger, he used to have a lot of body issues about it because when he was younger, teenage years, he used to like when they start watching porn and pornography, all of the penises that are portrayed in pornography are circumcised mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. wasn't circumcised. So he felt like, you know, reflecting as an adult, you know, as a real adult, he was like, I felt like at the time it made me feel like the way my penis looked was unacceptable. So then for a long time, he really wanted to get a circumcision as an adult. But then once he started going to med school and actually got like the background on like the hygiene and everything and how to really take care of it and how it's, you know, and got a little more education on the fact he was like, you know what? Like, no, like, I don't want a circumcision. Like, I'm fine. Like, I'm good. And it kind of like having the information empowered him to be more comfortable in his body. And then he was and of course, now he's like a grown adult. He's married and and all that. He's fine now. But (laughs) but I do think that that's something that many people don't don't talk about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because when you're first trying to experience, you know, when you first have your sexual experiences, either through pornography or dating or your partner in your teenage years, early, late 20s, you know, there, there's not really people guiding you through that. And some parents may try, depending on your relationship with your parents, your friends, things like that. But I, he definitely brought up a really good point. I think it's worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. So in regards to that, I think it might have been, you know, an issue with like cultural differences, because I know in America, um, also in Muslim and Jew- uh, Jewish communities, um, there is also a, a strict code for circumcision. Um, there's actually different types of circumcision, uh, depending on the type of culture that you're associated with. So that might have been part of the reason why he may have felt some pressure um, to kind of fulfill those those norms in order to feel I want to say accepted by that culture, but to feel um, like he wasn't kind of um, straying from that path and choosing not to get circumcised. Because it is very much a part, um, you know, definitely like in any hospital that we work in, you know, the parents are asking, oh, you know, you know, is my baby going to be circumcised? And, you know, how are you guys going to do it? And there's actually different ways to do a circumcision, like how much skin that we take off when, when we do it. Um, so that is something that is definitely uh, thought of, you know, when the baby first comes out. Um, and that's something that we definitely take into consideration, you know, when we do the circumcision in the hospital. But you know what's interesting, though? He felt he felt fine about his body and everything. He felt fine about everything until he got exposed to pornography and what was perceived to be the normal. And it made him feel like he wasn't normal. 
nothing about like you know his family his culture anything made him fall off it wasn't until i think that was probably his first recognition like oh like this is what normal is supposed to be and apparently i'm not normal so then it brought all the things that came with it like I mean, there's so many like fantasies and ideals that are portrayed in American porn that aren't portrayed elsewhere. And oh, there is, I'm with there, you. <laughs> yeah, there's a certain ideal that they want people to kind of fulfill, and that's just not—that's just not normal, you know. It's but, yeah, but that but sounds that's, great till you got to whip your penis out. Exactly. So the thing is, when you're when you're when you're exposed to this, I mean, you're looking at porn. You're looking at this is what this is what you think is supposed to be normal sex like this is what they think you know and if they see in porn they have like big penises and all of that they're gonna look at like oh maybe i don't have that or so you use i mean you look at what others are doing to kind of judge what you think is normal like you're not gonna know that and that's why it's important for us to educate people on that because how would you know if people don't educate you or don't tell you exactly exactly so, so since we're talking about it, um, let's just go ahead and uh, cause you know it's it's here, it's here, <laughs> it's, it's laid out in front of us. I mean, I don't want to. You want many, many, many of people want to know anyway. So let's just go ahead and talk about penis size, right? So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, that formally ends the very first part of the penis episode, which is also titled "Ding Dong." Hello, it's the penis episode. Don't forget to tune in next week where you guys can hear all about the penis in continuation in part two. Um, And we'll see you guys in a week. Bye.